Hello, everybody out there in podcast land. My name's Scotty Carlisle, and we are ready to move. The Move Podcast. Today, we have a special guest. I met him on a business, I guess his new business venture, and I started asking him questions just about himself, and it kind of blew me away. So, you know, I, I, I was like, hey, listen, dude, I got to get you on this podcast because you are out doing some real interesting stuff, and I feel like your story needs to be told. So uh, he agreed to come over here to the podcast, and I guess without further ado, his name, your name, Glenn Rainier, and Glenn Rainier has some very interesting attributes, but uh, you'll see as you listen in. So if you're driving on the freeway or if you're parked on the freeway, uh, turn up the volume just a little bit, kick back, and enjoy the story that we're about to unfold. So, Glenn, could you introduce yourself? Maybe give us a little bit about your background. Yeah, so my name is uh, Glenn Renew. Um, I'm, I was born deaf. I um, run several businesses. I do crypto mining. I do drones, uh, drone parachutes, and I have a machine shop as well. And um, my latest adventure is um, it's doing digital boards for restaurants, and um, yeah. So. so anybody out there listening, um, okay, podcast is over. Get your ass up. You got nothing to complain about. Go to work. <laughs> um, you know, it, it was it was interesting talking to you and and listening to some of your background. And when you came in here, we were talking. So you used to wrestle too. Yes. So I've, that's probably a good indicator of why you're. I guess, uh, so active. I, I feel like a lot of the people that I've met in life that were wrestlers, they are, they're hustlers. They're oh, out yeah. there and they're pushing and they're moving and they're, and they're fighting. I, I think the big reason is um, wrestling is one of the few sports where it's all on you. If you messed up, it's all on you. It's not your teammates. Like football, you can just blame it on the rest of your team. Um, wrestling, it's just all about how you can do better and how you can do, do the best you can do. So yeah. I really think that's the big, uh, big thing that I learned growing up. Yeah, and at the end of the day, um, you get your ass kicked sometimes. Oh, yeah, for sure. Like, and that is a very humbling experience. And when you understand that you don't have everything that you need to and you're not as good as you think you are, and in order for you to get to a place of respect – there's a lot of work that you have to put in in order to get to that spot. Um, even like a like a state champion wrestlers, they would think that they were the best ones, and guess what? The head coach would go in and wrestle them just to kind of keep them in that spot. So they were always trying to do it better and better. Yep, um, I like it. And so that actually, what's wrestling? It it only seems like the only sport where you can actually wrestle your coaches. <laughs> yeah, like in football, you can't have your head coach playing, putting his football pads and trying to hit you know go against you. <laughs> But wrestling's one of those things where it's one-on-one attention. You get improve your skills that way. So. so now you wrestled in high school? I wrestled from the time I was 10 throughout high school, yes. Oh, wow. So you wrestled many years. Yes, many years. And then um, I've also played football from the time I was 7 all the way through high school. So now I want to know, and I'm sure most people you know that are listening to this would like to know what types of challenges that you faced when you were growing up and and you didn't have hearing like other other kids yeah. did what was what was your how did you cope what kind of instances uh, did you have to go through do you want me to start from the beginning like yeah as far as um so i was born you know obviously i was born deaf and um my parents didn't find out until I was about a year and a half and the, the way that they found out was my older brother you know mentioned i think my my brother's deaf my parents were like, no, and so I was, my parents were cleaning my room one day, and I just woke up from the bed, and I was calling for them. And my parents were like, we're right here, right behind me, and I still didn't respond. So that's when they just realized, you know what, we need to go take him to the doctor. Took, him, took me to the doctor, and um, we ended up getting hearing aids, you know, a couple of weeks later. And one of the interesting things about um, the first time I heard was my mom took me to the grocery store. And um, obviously, you know, I'm here. I'm deaf, and I'm hearing for the first time, and um, I'm just babbling like a little baby as a two-year-old. And um, 
you know, a stranger came up and was like, oh my gosh, that's the cutest baby. And my, my mom's like, this is actually the first time he's hearing somebody. And she was like, oh, so am I the first stranger that he's hearing? And she's like, yes. Whoa. And so that person was just like, I'm so happy to be around you. That's, that's really cool. And so that's one of the first stories that my mom had you know, mentioned to me. Um, now, as far as like, I went to a deaf school from the time I was three to about four years old. And my, I wasn't speaking, you know, I was just, just babbling a bit, uh, along. <clears throat> and so they were considering taking me to a sign language school because I wasn't going to start talking. They were like, okay, he's not talking. Maybe we need to get him communicating with his hands. And um, just right before they were going to transfer me, I started talking. You know, I thank God for that one because I was, the sign language, there's, there's nothing against them, but they're very, like, separated away from the world. Um, and that's not my personality. I like to be around people, um, communicating with people, even though it's a, it's a huge challenge for me. You know, especially right now, everybody's wearing the mask, so I can't read the lips. So instead of reading the lips, I'm trying to read their cheekbones and their facial expressions and stuff like that. Oh, wow. And so that's one of the, the challenges I'm, I'm, I'm having right now. Growing up, the challenges were, um, you know, constantly being made, made fun of. Um, but my, my parents, my siblings kind of helped, you know, teach me to ignore those. They just, they're just trying to put you down because they, they're jealous of you. They're jealous of my hearing loss. I'm like, <laughs> at the time, I'm like, no, they're not. They're not jealous of my hearing loss. But if you think about it, they're jealous of the success that I had with all the difficulties that I had growing up. They're jealous of the success that I had. And just, you know, always pushing past those, not being a, being a uh, victim of bullying. Um, that was one thing my parents made sure to never be a victim of that. Um, so did you have any scenarios in your life that when you were bullied that you can remember? Or oh yeah, 100%. But it was <clears throat> just look past them. If they tried to you know, keep pushing me down, my parents told me to stand up. So I never, I did get in several fights. But nothing was, I was being a bad kid. It was... My parents always thought of me. What I was standing up for myself, and so that's did, how I grew up. Did you notice when you stood up that it changed how the bullies act towards you? Oh yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, um, and then yeah, from elementary school it was kind of bad, and then as I started playing football, people started realizing I would only. That's how you get the the best friend. The people that I'm around now are the ones that stood up for me when I was a kid. There are some of my best friends now. It was only one person on each football team that would do that. So then I would just gravitate towards them. And now we're good friends. We can talk. But everybody else that was just like, oh, you think you're the, you know, you know you're so good at football and just try to talk me down. And then when we get on the field, guess what? I would have to lay them out. Just to, <laughs> at a time we had to go against each other, but just to kind of prove to everybody, hey, I'm a person just like you. Just because I talk funny doesn't mean you can put me down. Um, so yeah, that. And also, being deaf has like really humbled me, hundred um, percent. It taught me to to not take um, when somebody says you can't do that or you can't do this because of this. That doesn't stop me. That actually makes me go go after that problem even more. Um, so a lot of people think that I'm like trying to go around rules and stuff like that, but it's just more like. I want to know why I can't do do that one scenario, and I'll figure out the solution. And a lot of people get frustrated with me because I do, you know, figure out how to go around stuff. And that's just my personality, just from growing up, um, and just always been told now. And sometimes they feel um, embarrassed because what they told you is not true, and then they had to check themselves. And nobody likes to do that. Yeah. Nobody uh, likes to do that. Um, and that's the. Actually, a lot of people, a lot of my friends, they come up to me and ask me, hey, should I start a business? Should I do this? And that's one of the hardest things to tell people. Like, because I want to tell them, you know, yeah, 100%. But I don't want to make them make a poor decision on their finances and stuff like that. So it's always, um, so I always explain to them, like, how I started a business. Like, I don't, you know, the, the smart way to start a business is, let's say you're working for an employee and you start your other business on the side. You try to get 75% of your um, revenue coming from your new business before you quit your other job. 
to be on the safe side. But yeah, here I am. I was working a full-time job and a salary, and I decided, hey, I just quit and said, I'm going to start um, flying helicopters with uh, cameras on them. This was, you know, back in 2010. So a lot of people thought this was, I was flying a toy helicopter. It was a toy, not a drone, with a camera on it. And everybody thought that was just, not everybody, but a lot of people were like concerned, like, you just quit your job, you're going to do this. This is not, you know, this is a fantasy that you just have. Now, now I had an experience. The first time I saw somebody actually fly a helicopter, I, I don't know, it was probably like that, maybe that big, yeah. maybe a little bit bigger. And I was like, oh, that's interesting. I thought it was going to, you know, um, kind of go like a drone, how you see a drone. And it looked like a damn dragonfly. This guy had it going, whoosh, 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 and oh, it yeah. would come upside down and haul ass. And all of a sudden you would see it, pew, pew, and, and I was trying to catch it and keep it. I mean, the guy was a really good oh, yeah. pilot. But I had never before that seen, and he also had an octocopter drone, yeah. so he played with a lot of that stuff. But it was it was amazing. I'd never seen anything like that before. So so you so you fly that similar helicopter? Yeah, I, when I first started off, and obviously I figured out right away that was not the best way to do it um, with a, a traditional helicopter. So I started researching drones, and at the same time I was researching drones, I was figured out how to build them. And then, so the aerial photography, I did that for maybe a year. And then I got into building custom drones for customers. So I was building like for the Red Epic camera system for like the film industry. And so then I was like, that started picking up. I was like, you know what? I'm gonna, I'm gonna build custom drones. It was a company called UAV Rotor King was the company name. And um, we did that for about five years. I even did a couple of custom projects for um, military customers um, that were testing out the gimbal system for like the Predator drone, stuff like that. So they wanted to test out the camera system before they shipped them out to the client. Now, hold on, the Predator drone. That's the, is that the, one of the first drones that they came out with that the, I'm trying to think what it is. Was it DJI or was it? No, this is the, uh, like, like, like military. Oh, oh, like this was like military. Like serious shit. Yeah. <laughs> drone, not yeah, like was, uh, not like Bobby's playing around no, in his no. backyard drone. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, I think the cheapest camera system that they offered that I was working with the company they offered was like two hundred twenty-five thousand dollars. Oh goodness! And so they were concerned about the, the camera system because I told them a drone and um, their one of their employees was flying the drone and testing out the gimbal system. And they crashed it. And so they, they called me up and said, hey, um, one of our employees crashed it. Can you fix the drone? But um, we need a camera. We need a parachute system for this thing. And I did some research on that. Couldn't find anybody that drew parachutes. So then I said, you know what? I'll manufacture it. I'll design a parachute system for them. And um, so then I started man manufacturing parachute systems. Oh, wow. Yeah. Um, <laughs> what material did you use for that? Um, polycarbonate, carbon fiber, uh, polypropylene, plastic. Um, so when we went to go build our first um, production model, the cost was like twenty, you know, $25,000 for the first mold. And so I decided, you know what, well, I think we can buy a machine. And people were saying, you can't make a mold. That's a whole nother technology. It's not just machining. It's really hard. You know, and I said to myself, I was like, I think I got the team to do it myself. And so we bought the first milling machine and then we made our first mold. Um, it took, you know, probably six months by the time we said we were going to do it. And um, so we made our first mold and then we made our first injection machine. We actually poured plastic in a In, a in the injection machine? Yeah. And so that's what the molten uh, plastic goes and makes the, the and goes inside the mold. And then you can pop the part out and then you have a finished product. Um, then you can make, you know, thousands of them in a day. And so that's how we got into machining at the same time. Because it was just, oh, uh, we can't do that. Oh, I think I can do it. <laughs> um, yeah. Um, so then, yeah, and that, then we also make, um, we have three different models that we make for parachute sizes. Um, they go from four pounds all the way up to 25 pounds. 
Um, and then COVID happened. Hold on. Now, when it's when it's twenty five pounds, is that mean that does that is that how heavy something can? Yeah, exactly. Okay. So it can carry a twenty five pound. All right. Yeah, it can it can put up the twenty five pound payload. Got it. The, the idea. Um, so then, obviously, when COVID happened, you know, when the, the mandate came out at first and said we can't work and all that stuff, so I decided, you know, to keep my guys working. We were going to get into, you know, selling masks or, you know, giving masks away and just my guys need to keep working. Um, so we did that. Then we actually manufactured um, mask produced at Ear Savers. And that's the, you know, for the mask that were going around your ears. Yeah. Instead of going around your ears, it went around the strap. The oh, doctor. got it. Got it. Ear um, Savers. Okay. So, <clears throat> you know, we got into that. We did that. Then, um. You know, COVID just like really slowed everything down, like for supplies and all that stuff. And then I saw this opportunity to kind of get into selling um, ad space on the digital boards that we have at all the local restaurants. Um, and I just thought just, that's how I met you. So I'm really glad, you know, all the steps that God has kind of led me through this whole journey from, you know, 11 years ago to, to today. Um, so, yeah. So... You mentioned God. Yeah. Um, what is his role in your coping with situations? Like, wh- how? What place would would you give God or your spirituality or? Um, he's given me the gifts and talents, hundred percent. He's given me. A lot of people say, "Oh, is your hearing a disability?" And it's like, yes and no, because I see it's a disability according to the world, the disability. But to me, it's a gift. It's that gift because it's created my personality. It's created how, who I am. Um, if I didn't have my hearing loss, I think I would be a very arrogant person. It's really humbled me down, you know, drastically. Um, and, yeah, it, it, it would, I wouldn't be as driven, for sure. Do you meditate? Yes, I do. So do you think, because a lot of meditation is... Is kind of sitting with our thoughts and and memories, and and my question to you is: when you think of your memories and you know auditory, like if I'm if I'm sitting and I'm gonna meditate, um, a lot of inputs are are constantly being so what we hear, what we see, how we feel, we're constantly being bombarded with information, yeah. information overload. And so meditating is kind of a way of putting things in place so it's not like all at you at the same time. When you meditate, do you think that you have, uh, is it beneficial or, or do you have memories of hearing? Um, yeah, so as, as far as like when I pray, I don't, it's not just to like think of all the, the things that I've done, but it's almost more to kind of just, just ask God to kind of tell me what you want me to focus on. What do you want me to do? Um, and just, uh, just put me in the situations that you want me to, to be in, whether that's going to be a person that walks in front of me and just say, hey, you know, I'm blessed by your smile. Um, and then just you saying that helps that other person. It, because a lot of people, they're bombarded by, you can't do this, you're not pretty enough, you're not cute enough, you're not, um, you're not good enough. So we need to try to always be encouraging to other people. Um, don't ever put other people down. 100%. I, I learned that. You know, obviously, I learned it from growing up. And um, as far as meditation, I was, it's just all. Just it's really the relationship with God. Just just knowing, okay, God. That's not just like oh, I hear this voice. Just God said, you know, hey, go do this for this person. And it'll just be a random thing. And you're like, what? Why am I gonna do that? You go do that, and all of a sudden you hear a story that that person it touched somebody else, and or that person might be thinking about, you know, suicide. You just don't, you don't want to ever want to say no to God because God will bless you beyond what you can imagine. And um, as far as like everything I do, I do 100%. I try to do what God wants me to do because if I do it with my own plans, it's not going to work out that great. If I kind of listen to him and I, even though I don't understand it, like my businesses, I've had to shift from all the different businesses at the time, when it was like, why, you know, what, why is this happening? Like, I, I do all this, and I, 
to focus on what you told me to do. And, but then as you get out of those problems, you, you realize, oh, okay, he taught me this and this and this. Taught me that um, to always be considerate of other people. Um, I've had to learn the harder way, you know, just being on that other end. Um, so it's, it's <clears throat> that's how I kind of. I guess the whole point of this podcast, it's move, make a difference in other people's lives, yeah. offer up your time, talents, and gifts, find victory for the small things and encourage others. And you're kind of, uh, you kind of encapsulate that, right? And so to me, people that overcome some kind of adversity and, and even still in spite of that, they go out of their way to help others. I feel like there is a boomerang effect and whatever you put out comes back, right? Oh yeah. Karma, everybody, a lot of people talk about karma, whether you believe in it or not, however it is. Um, it gets pretty deep, but I think that if you, if you consider karma and you do something good for somebody, okay, cool, it's gonna come back to you. But if you do something good for somebody, when your ass is kicked, when you have no way out, when you feel helpless, when you are struggling, when you're hurting, when you're sad, when you're angry, when you're fill in the blank and you're suffering from something and, and you overstep that to help somebody in some way, I feel like there's a universal law at work that literally bends, bends reality and it, it helps something and it might not come back from that direct source. It might go and then come back around in a way that you have no idea that you're going to be yeah. blessed. And I and I've seen it in my own life. I've seen it with other people and I just want to I just want to show share stories of people that that do that and that help others yeah. and that, you know, uh, because there's a reason that you're here. There's a reason not here right now, but in your business, you know, with your level of success, there's a reason. And a lot of that has to do with internal, uh, fortitude, you know, yeah. um, when somebody's asking you if they should start a business and you're like, you know, you got to kind of size them up. Like, well, well, yeah, you know, cause the, the, the ceiling is really high if you have your own business, right? Whereas if it's a job, like your yeah, ceiling's yeah. here, you got your own business, the ceiling's here. But man, there's a trade-off. And do you have the intestinal fortitude? Do you have the strength? Do you have the resolve? Because you will get your ass kicked. Just like in wrestling, you will get your ass kicked in business. Oh, yeah. And it might not be where you're expecting it from. It might be from your relationships. It might be financially might be from some kind of legislation it might be from some kind of law it might be from other person other people that you had brought in and had screwed you in some yeah. form or another and i think most people that have started businesses have experienced that oh yeah i know i have <laughs> i think almost all of those that i mentioned so so giving somebody advice to start a business you got to be like mm, i'm not sure if you're cut out for it or, you yeah. know it's like it's, it's hard because it's like I, you have to somewhat be a little bit naive when you go into business. I think myself, I was very naive when I started it, but it was, I had the willpower to do it. So you have to, do they have the willpower to, to, to go through, even though it might get tough. That's where you kind of like, you try to tell people like, like, yeah, this is how I did it. I, I just took the leap of faith and jumped into it. But I also knew that I could get through it. And, if the if the person doesn't know that they can get through it, like that's the willpower to get through a problem, then the first problem that they come across is like, oh, I quit, and I'm gonna go back to working a regular job. Um, and so that's kind of like, especially like if it's uh, like my friends now, they're like, you know, my age, 35, they have families, and it's like, it's kind of a little bit tougher if you were, you know, single, or it was just you and your wife, and you guys had reserves that you can pull through and power through it and it's kind of a t tough one to but I, I do try to help and try to just say this is my situation and a lot of people think it, it happened overnight it did not happen overnight it it took 
was it three or four different businesses even the businesses before that I've actually just started when I worked from an ad company at the same time those failed now just I spent you know five grand just of my life savings at the time and that was everything I had you know um, so yeah it's just it's kind of a it's a tricky situation to try to help people but I just try to explain as much as I can and then let them make the, the decision for themselves so your daily routine so now you have hearing aid or how yeah. how are you coping what what things have you implemented for to help you with okay your... so um obviously i read i read left like i have 70 percent of my hearing loss is, is gone um and as far as like the letters i don't actually hear a lot of the letters like c, the, the letters c and h or s um the doctor told me that i hear like of the letter sounds, I only hear 70% of the actual letter sounds of the alphabet. Um, so you're probably thinking, well, what does that have to do? It's like a lot of times when people are talking to me and they start a sentence, the very first two words, I usually don't hear them. But as they start talking through the whole sentence or the paragraph that they're talking about, then my mind in my head is trying to figure out what were the first two words that they said based on what they said you know, after that. And I, then I understand what the whole question is. Um, that's kind of a when the doctor the last time I went to the doctor he kind of explained that to me it was like I didn't I didn't realize that until he just mentioned that because I'm always thinking what did what was the first word that he said but then when they complete the whole sentence or paragraph <clears throat> I kind of shuffle in my head okay this is what he said so sometimes what happens is I'll get it wrong you know the first two words can change the whole the whole thing so sometimes i'll get it wrong people are like no i, I said that it's like i'm sorry no um so that's one of the interesting things that i have to try to you know shuffle words out trying to say okay what what's the situation what are the best words that fit in that that situation that's happening right now and just try to guess and that's the thing a lot of a lot of my friends that were hard of hearing by the time they hit 10 or 11 they got embarrassed in front of you know their friend you know for you know for getting things wrong so what they did is they started going into sign language. And the reason why they go to sign language is you got the sign language program. They're trying to like grow their, their, their base. communities. Their communities mm -hmm. is what they consider. I don't know if you watched uh, like Deaf You on Netflix. Mm -mm. If you want to understand like the community of sign language and how they are sometimes, I felt like that growing up. You watch that and you'll see that they try to say, oh, if you're deaf, you should be sign language. And you shouldn't associate with the real world. And um, what kind of frustrated my friends that could hear just as good as I can. They started getting you know, embarrassed and insecure about the voices. that so they started to stop talking and just went to those programs. And um, that's kind of a, I can, it's kind of sad because I know that they can do more, but just, uh, it's their choice, you know, 100% their choices. Um, as far as communications, I just always have to be on the, like, the right side of the room. My hearing, I have no hearing in my right ear. So my left ear still works good, so I always try to put people on this side of me. Um, and then I read lips, so that's the big thing. Uh, my biggest challenges, I would say, are like a big group meeting when you got multiple people talking, multiple people trying to talk, because it's like a microphone in the middle of the room. You can't pick up the one person that's talking that you want to hear so you gotta like try to like focus, yeah. find find first, and then focus. Yeah. And it's usually like I don't have a I don't like to go go to places with big groups. I like to go one or two people, and then I just talk with them. Hundred percent of the time, everybody else I might just sound like I'm being rude, but it's just more that I can communicate with them. I can kind of keep them in my hearing focus, and so. Yeah. So when I was in the army, I drove a tank and one time we were out in the field and the driver's hatch is right under the, the gun. Yeah. And my night vision batteries died and I'm supposed to drive and I'm like, oh shit, what do I do? And they're like, all right, go forward. And I'm like, ah! so literally took my night vision off, popped the hatch and I'm and I'm trying to see as I'm driving, boom, 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 you know? And it's like a echo chamber, like, oh, yeah. right? So jack me up and um, my hearing, I'm deaf 
I'm here. I have. I'm deaf in a couple of different frequencies. Yeah. Um, usually, if my wife's talking, she's out. <laughs> so her frequency, I can't hear shit. Yeah. She gets mad at me, but um, but I have a constant ringing in my ear as well. Yeah, the, the tentinitis. Whatever. Yeah. Yeah. And so, but it's always, and sometimes, you know, it doesn't bother me that much. Sometimes, like right now, I, I mean, it's just, it's like a, like a, you know, like I hear it and it, um, it's just interesting, but it, it's not, you know, you, you, we have these things and we, we adjust and we do whatever it takes in order to overcome. Yeah. Right. But, you know, this life is hard and you know, I've struggled with a lot of different things, a lot of mental stress and a lot of, you know, it, it's, it's hard sometimes not to get down on yourself. It's hard oh, yeah. to look, look around and say, son of a, you know, why, or what is this? Or I'm not good enough or, or, or feel really feel emotionally unstable or, um, down i guess you know and i'm just wondering so do you ever have those feelings oh, or do you always yeah. it's uh yeah that's it's always like the world is like just telling you no 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 you know you're not good enough of course that <clears throat> that's how it is right now that's a, um but as far as like what kind of keeps me going is like just pull into other people's lives like my wife she's a principal of a, a private christian school and um her, her thought is she never rejects anybody. So, and that's, it's mainly like if they don't have the income, she doesn't tell somebody no. She'll make it happen. And um, she, you know, set up a program. So that's what, like having, you know, knowing the, you hear the stories of how much you influence that kid by doing, you know, sponsorship and stuff like that. And um, so like what I do is I kind of help with, I used to help with the robotics class. I would do the robotics and then, um, the 3D printing class, so I did that for a couple of years for her school, then i just been so busy the last couple of years, but like one of the things that we do, um, <clears throat> we take the kids on a trip. So like a bunch of the high schoolers through um, middle school through high school, we take them like on a cruise. Um, oh, that's cool. Yeah. And <laughs> so um, my uncle actually sponsors that trip for all those kids to go on a cruise. So we'll go to like Washington, D.C. Um, or like a, like we went to the Grand Canyon. We went to this last week. We went to um, we took all the kids to Big Bear. We took them to the beach, camped on the beach, camped in the mountain, and then camped at Joshua Tree. Um, so dang man, yeah. So it's just, like when you go on these trips with the kids, they you they put like they talk about their difficulties, like what they're going through, and it kind of like disconnects from the world, like social media, Facebook, and all that stuff that can have a negative impact on you sometimes. Um, just kind of like just speaking that they're you're worth it. You're you're amazing. What you're doing, you know, is awesome. And um, just trying to teach the kids how teach them how to not be selfish on their part, and trying to teach them how to pour into other people's lives. So like one of the things that we did is like um, made like joy sign. Did um, add a word, and we that's actually the last podcast that we were supposed to do. I was doing that. Right, um, I remember. Yeah, I was machining out a bunch of wood um, joy signs, and. Um, so then the kids took them, they painted them, you know, and then they passed them out to people that they didn't even know. And so just kind of like teaching people if you're selfish about your life, if you're always about yourself, it's going to be it's more depressing. But if you pour into other people's lives, you start knowing that it's not all about you. It actually helps you out. It helped, it helped other people out, but it helps you out even more than you would even think. So. So you got into robotics and 3D printing? I mean, that's, I have another friend that's involved with robotics and 3D printing. Those yeah. kind of go hand in hand, I guess. Yeah, yeah. Um, <clears throat> it was just, so the, for the school, we just did a program. Um, it was the Lego Mindstorm with the, how we kind of got into it so the kids understand, you know, the building blocks, how code works, like the simple, the simplest form. And then um, some of the kids that wanted to, you know, go beyond that, they started doing um, coding. And so they can expand on that and then just kind of really just the whole goal is to kind of show them all the different, you know, cool things that they can do. <clears throat> and um, then if they're interested, they can expand on, on, expand on that on their own. Um, so like one kid, I think, 
out of all the kids that I've done, it's like one kid's like, I think I might do mechanical engineering. It's like, okay, sweet, that's one person. You know, just if you <coughs> if you just send them on, actually, there's sorry, <coughs> if you just send them out in the field and say, hey, yeah, go to college and take uh, mechanical engineering, you're gonna like it, and they don't see what it's supposed to be, what the fun side of it is and they go get their college degree and they go the very first job that they go to, it's just a machine shop, that is gonna be the most boring job of their <laughs> life. A machine shop will just say, hey, I want you to make these questions on this drawing and that's it. And then that kid's gonna think, this is man, a mechanical engineering, I hate this. Yeah. And so if you actually show them, hey, you can design your own products, you can design this, you can show them what they're doing, mechanical engineering with their 3D printers they say, hey, I designed this all by myself and I actually have it in my hand. You can show them, don't let the world tell you, you know, this is what you're gonna do for the rest of your life. <clears throat> and so actually I have a, a friend of mine, he um, went to Arizona University, got a mechan mechanical engineering like, uh, degree, and um, he started working for a company. And he's like, I thought you said mechanical engineering was like was a, a fun job, and I'm like, it is. Like, why don't you come by my shop for a couple of weeks and just uh, come check it out? He's like, man, I hate this. Just, I want to like go find a job somewhere else. <clears throat> and I said, okay, hey, I want you to 3D print this. He's like, I never touched a 3D printer. So I kind of showed him what to do. And he's designing parts. He's just doing little changes on uh, a parachute release system that we're working on. <clears throat> and once he saw that <clears throat> he can create something on his own, and he can make whatever he wants to make in the future. Then he was like, okay, I need to get a different job. Because the job that I'm working at, they're just having me change drawing, drawings of actual like 2D drawings of simple parts and just changing numbers on them. Just so that way it's easier for the machine to machine it out. I was like, wow. you're, in the, you're in the wrong spot. So right. it's, it's funny how a lot of people think it's just one thing, that mechanical engineering is just this thing. And it's so, there's so many fun things you can do with it. I feel like a lot of times people do put they, they paint themselves into a corner and it, it to me it seems that the skills that you learn in mechanical engineering or any other kind of engineering they should be building blocks just like what you should be doing with it right and and you're developing this skill that will help you in certain ways and then what is it that you want in life and basically look behind and whatever you, whatever skills you've accumulated, you know, you, you just sweep them all up in a pile and you use that to get to your next level of yeah. whatever that is. And, and, I, and I feel that's what you're doing, right? And that's why you're m moving from this spot to this spot to this spot because you're taking, um, you're taking a road and then you're, you're basically learning from it and using that. And it, there's two things. You're learning the skills, but it also is dropping you off into your next chapter 100 yeah, that's what just uh from the very first job i even would talk to my mom be like why the heck am i why am i shipping to this other company my my mom and dad would just be like <coughs> all everything that you learned from the first company are the skills that you, you need for your second company and then for this company it's this and it's funny because it completely goes against what i grew up to see my parents do my parents run a paving company and they've run it from the time they were 18, and they're still running it, and they're in the 60s. And they just always stuck with that. They didn't go to another job, they didn't get a new, a new company. Um, but my parents like, no, what, what your personality is different. You like to find a challenge once you've solved that problem. You want to go solve another problem. You don't yeah. want to just sit there and just do one thing. That's probably the biggest reason why I don't want to you know, take over my father's company, is I know I could but I don't want to do something that's already been done. Right. I want to do something Explore different. new frontiers. Yeah, and it's just uh, a lot of people, a lot of my friends are like, why don't you just take over your dad's company? No, he's successful, he's huge. And it's like, I don't want to be the, the, the kid that I can't, a company got handed down to me. I know it won't, it wouldn't be even then. Um, right. I've worked for my dad's company for you know five years and that was, that was definitely one of the hardest jobs. You know, you have asphalt that's 210 degrees to, burning your face and why you laying it all out so yeah 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 i can i can imagine that's actual work <laughs> yeah that's, that's actual, actual work yeah. <laughs> um you know before so it just came to my attention recently 
you know, I've been a hyperactive person like you, you know, I've had my hands in a lot of different things because somebody would come up to me with an idea and say, Hey, Scotty, what do you think about this? And I always like to, I don't like to say no, right? Well, yeah, we'll figure out. Yeah, you know what? I know maybe we can do this. And I get excited and then we run out and, you know, we start something. And then I've been doing that for a while, right? So I have a lot of people in my network that over the years I've either tried some kind of business with or they've, you know, or, you know, that's just the way it is. Yeah. And, but I've always been referred to as a jack of all trades, but not in a positive way way like oh it's jack of all trades master of none right and so i've always been like yeah but you know what i don't care i've like people say scotty if you want to be successful sit your ass down focus on one thing get better at that one thing and get keep you know and keep on going keep and i have tried that i'm wired differently like i'm wired like you whether it's differently or not differently i'm wired where squirrel ah right and then i get excited and I get passionate and then it's like all right try to move out that direction now that's got me into trouble a lot of times too but then I realized that there's more to that quote jack of all trades master of none but a jack of all trade will usually win over a master of one yeah, I, I agree. And I didn't know that last part. And I'm like, some bitch. So it's actually a good thing to be a, ma- a jack of all trades. And then I have another friend. He's like, well, I'm a master jack of all trades, you know, because he does that. And, and it's just funny. But, yeah. you know, so I guess people that are out there that are struggling. And, and sometimes, you know, from my own personal experience, it is hard when you do a lot of different things because you're only doing this for a certain amount of time. But you got to make money. And if you're only doing this for a certain amount of time, it's kind of hard to yeah. be able to make money in a in a successful way, right? Um, and then you go over here, and then you go over here. And then sometimes when there's problems, it's like problems all the way around. And you're here, and you're here, and then you're just spinning, and nothing's getting done. So I've been in that situation many times. Um, but I'm just I'm too hard-headed, I guess, to... That's the thing is like if you were to just focus on one thing, a lot of people say, Oh, you'd make you know, be really successful, but you would have all this money, but would you be happy? That's kind of a a lot of people think it's it's all about money, but it's not. It's about you enjoying what you do, um, and having fun with it. And if you can if you can get by with, you know, you know, I've had times where I'm making really good money and then, you know, years that I'm not making good money. And it's like, you know what? I could go work at McDonald's and make better money than I'm making right now. Because I'm working 80 hours a week. But if I enjoy it, and I like, I like what I'm doing, it's not about myself, it's, it's about serving others as well, then it makes it, makes it all you know, worth, it, worth the time. Yeah, I agree. At, at the end of the day, it's like, yeah, I could make more money. If, I, if it was all about money, I, from... But experiences that I've had, the people I know, I I think I could make a a lot of money. But I like doing whatever the hell I want. I like doing whatever the hell I want, and I either win or I fell on my own accord, and there's nobody else to blame. Yeah. It's all me. Um, Now, that being said, everybody gets lucky. Everybody gets lucky or unlucky. You'll have luck, whether it's good or bad. We don't know. But everybody, luck is a part in everybody's business. I firmly agree that with with that. But I think the, the, the more good that you do for people, the more of a, a goodwill bank is built up, you know, for you. And I think that when you hit those hard times, there will be people there to help you or ease the burden or, you know, whatever it is. Um, And so, anyway, I just wanted to throw that out there. But I wanted to get your your viewpoint of how how you look at life, how you you engage. Because a lot of people would say that being deaf is a disability. But I beg to differ. I don't think – I think you're right. I think it is a gift – There are certain things that I could never do. um, And it's like sometimes there's so much noise that it's hard to 
to cut away, you know, and, and so, so I guess it's on either way, right? Yeah. Like sometimes you want it to be more noisy and a lot of times I want it to shut the hell up. (laughs) (laughs) Um, As far as like noise and stuff like that, one of, one of the, one of, another gift that a lot of people don't realize that I have with being deaf is, you know, when you get those massive headaches and your your eyes are hurting, you kind of have a migraine or something. Oh like yeah. That. Guess what? I can turn my hearing up, and just like just shut the world out and just go to oh, sleep. Oh wow! In. Wow, and it's quiet. Yeah, and then um, real quiet. My wife hates. You know, the one thing that she hates about it is when we had you know our kids. You know, were first born. Anytime they would cry, she she would spend more time waking me up. <laughs> <laughs> to get the kids, that she would just go and get the kids. It's like, um, but I thank my wife for that. My, my wife is awesome. Um, and so, yeah, it's just one of the things that I like about I can just turn my hearing aid off if, if I have that really bad headache or something like that. Yeah, that's great, man. The, the thoughts, you know, so it's your attitude. Um, your attitude, I think, influences your thoughts. Oh yeah, hundred percent. And then your thoughts. Now, now that's where the rubber starts to meet the road, right? So that's going to create. Or is it the other way around? Is it the thought that creates the attitude? Does it? You know, there's that quote that says your your thoughts become your attitudes. Your attitude determines your actions. Your actions basically make way to your character, and yeah. your character determines your destiny. But, but I don't know about that because your attitude can also influence your thoughts. Oh yeah. Because if you because I, and I just now I that just now really hit me because before it's like oh no your attitude or your thoughts create your attitude. But but I I guarantee that your attitude will also help create your thoughts. That that's what I grew up. My dad was always always said your attitude is affect all situations so if you um i teach my kids like if you're upset about you know having a cleaner room just it's gonna take longer if you if you're upset about it but if you have a good attitude about it it just speeds up your time you're having a good attitude try to look at it as a positive thing and then it will get done quicker um so i always teach my kids that so and then i got that from my dad you know so you have a good relationship with your dad yes and your mom yes yeah, great. Yeah, really good relationship with them. Um, and, th- and then I have my, my older brother, my older sister, and then I have a younger brother. So I probably have the best relationship with my sister. She's like been always, uh, always been there for me, uh, especially like the, the years that I needed it the most when I was going into high school. She was like two years older than me, so she would kind of like you know take me under her wing. And um, so yeah, that's cool. And then. Um, my brothers, they've always, you know, stood up for me. Like anybody, actually, my older brother had a, a really good friend of his made fun of me. My brother turned around to punch him right in the nose. Just took him out right there. Good for him. <laughs> <laughs> good for him. So. I ha- you know, it's, it's important that siblings take care of each other. Yeah. Uh, I just had a situation yesterday with, with my daughter and the neighbor kid and my son. And I was telling him better take care of your sister like no matter what yeah. i don't care what you know and i'm anyway that's probably i don't know if that was the best thing to do or whatever but i but i made sure that because to me siblings have always been a source of pride right and you mess with me like and you're bigger or whatever then i got somebody that's going to you know that's going to help me yeah. now that doesn't mean my siblings are going to beat somebody up or take advantage or if, if somebody's like my size they'd be like no yeah, handle they, your business yeah. you know if you're gonna get your ass kicked maybe you deserved it maybe you should keep your mouth shut and don't say mouth off to people that are bigger and stronger yeah. and faster than you <laughs> um but you, do you have kids as well yeah i have uh, two kids i have a, an eight-year-old son and then a five-year-old daughter and and do you think your now as far as your disability with raising your daughter and your son, is it, does it get in the way sometimes or? Oh, hundred percent. Um, they, uh, <clears throat> it's funny because it will, they have to kind of explain, mom, mom just told me this. I didn't know if you heard that dad. And so it's like their mom will say, Hey, can you guys go do this? And all of a sudden they're up the, you know, they're walking up the stairs looking like they're playing, but they're supposed to be doing something else. 
but they're actually doing what their mom told them to do. And I'm like, hey, you guys got to do this. And it's like, you know, I'm saying, hey, you got to do your, your duties, right? But they're kind of like, they're in this awkward spot where they have to kind of speak up, learn to speak up and say, hey, dad, mom said we have to do this, even though I'm kind of like, you know, sit, kind of yelling at them saying, hey, get to. Yeah. Um, yep. So it's kind of like they have to learn to step up and kind of just speak up to me and say, hey, mom said to do this. So we're doing that, but I'll do what, what you told me to do after that. <laughs> um, or what do you want me to do, Dad? And so it's like they're, they're extra communicative with me, trying to explain. Especially now that we have a house with two stories, I didn't think that that was a problem before. We, we had a, a one-story house before. Now moving to a two-story house, it's like communication is a lot different. And so my kids learn how to be extra communicative, to me at least. Um, and... Um, yeah, so that's one thing that it tripped them out. I, I do know that, and I always have to constantly say, hey, I'm sorry. I didn't hear what your mom said, but just, just continue to talk to me. And uh, so, yeah, it's miscommunications that they have to, to clarify with me all the time. So. Yeah, and and miscommunications, man, that can be, that oh, can yeah. be, uh, there's some bad. I just had a miscommunication today. I was dealing with somebody and I was informed a certain thing and without me going to, you know, look at it, I informed the other person with it and it was wrong and it ended up uh, turning into a bad situation. We got it resolved because we had a good attitude, right? And the attitude had the thoughts. Anyway, whatever. But but it worked out. I I can just imagine. I think at the end of the day, you are somebody that people should hear about and hear from because I have noticed your attitude towards life just from the couple of dealings that we've had. And I'm very happy that you came over here to talk to me on this platform in the podcast and get your story out there and if anybody else wanted to get in touch with you for any reason or way, how could they do that? Yeah, they, so they can contact me on my personal email. It's uh, Glenn, G-L-E-N, and the number is at AOL.com. And um, yeah, I'm still on AOL, but it's my first, e- my first email that I've ever had, so um, it still works. That's my personal email, and um, yeah. Glenn286. At AOL.com. At AOL.com. And so you do, you have a machine shop. So you do milling and, and then you know, injection molding stuff. So I'm going to talk to you about that before we, before you leave. I have an invention that I need your help. I need to pick your brain. Um, You do 3D printing. You build, basically you used to build drones. You build um, parachute equipment from for different payloads from governmental uh, yep. drones and whatnot. And right now you are doing you're selling ad space on different displays that are put up in different businesses or you know local yeah. businesses. People go and they're going to the bathroom. They're taking a leak or whatever, and right in front of them is the Hey, go see all magic paint and body to, you know, yeah. fix your accident or whatever. And and so you basically sell ad space on those displays. Yeah. So yeah, I, I work with the the local businesses like the like Testis Roadhouse, Taco Fuego, Boca Wine. Those are some of the restaurants that I work with and I have set up a partnership with them and I put the digital billboards in there. And then for the restaurant, I actually um Got we work with restaurants from Norco Corona all the way out to Palm Springs. And so how we do that is we give the venues like free advertising. So it doesn't cost them any money for us to put the boards up. And then we advertise and we try to get partnerships with between different restaurants or venues to try to like work together and say, hey, let let's cross advertise at both locations to kind of help bring more traffic for both venues. Um, and then another thing is what I I forgot to mention it was um, the crypto mining. Oh, that's right. No, you did mention that. I forgot to mention it. (laughs) I forgot to remind everyone. And the crypto mining is something that you're just getting into that? 
Yeah, I've been or, into that since February. So um, now this is blockchain stuff, or this is um, is it you? Because I read some of your Facebook posts, and it's like you're creating your own digital current, your own crypto, or is that's it the, something we're kind of looking into? Okay. Um, if nothing yet, if the, the name of my mining company is uh, called Death Monkey Mining. So, <laughs> I like it. Um, man. So my I often consider myself a deaf monkey. So, <laughs> <laughs> so um, yeah, we we've been doing crypto mining, but then also we're looking at different ways on how to, to mine different cryptocurrencies. Um, so we're doing like uh, graphic card mining, which you just buy a bunch of graphic cards, you put them online, um, and they make transactions. They verify transactions, and that's how they get paid. The other one is we're working on is um, helium mining. So if it hooks up to um, your Wi-Fi router, and then you basically become a hotspot that talks to other hotspots to let people communicate through those, um, and then you get paid for that as well. Interesting. What would be the purpose of that? Is basically creating another internet? If uh, if I don't if if more like a, you know how like you have your humidity sensors and like weather stations. Yeah. Anything that kind of like uses the Internet of Things, it's called. So it's more like sensors that, um, that don't need a straight Internet connection, but they'll run on like a 915 radio frequency. So instead of them paying the cellular companies, they'll pay my hotbots to connect and give information to their servers. And so it's more affordable for those companies that are making sen different sensors and stuff like that instead of working with the cellular companies. Um, so then I'm creating hotspots throughout, you know, Norco Corona as well, trying to build a network up. How do people know that you're there? Um, that's a good question. So that's <laughs> what you got to figure out, I guess, more. So yeah, then um, the more people know that you're there, the more people can basically log on, the more success yeah. you'll have in the... Well, I, well, I guess, um, what I, to let people know where I'm at, I guess I can start putting my advertising on all the boards that I have. Yeah, good so, point. There you go. Um, but the, that's kind of a new technology that we're working on. So the Internet of Things, I just real fast before you before we close this thing down. Internet of Things. My other friend that does 3D printing and also robotics talks about the Internet of Things, and he's saying that... You know, it's not anymore just going to your computer and logging into the Internet. If you have a lighter, the lighter is going to have a chip. The chip is going to be somehow connected to the Internet where you can literally monitor how much butane is in your lighter, when it was lit, all of these different things. And every object that is around us for whatever reason will have a presence in the Internet of things and yeah. we'll be able to measure and reflect and create and do all this stuff without having to go to a keyboard or without, you know, yeah. is that how you're, is, is that, that, am I understanding that right? That, or is, that's what it is. That's what I've been reading up on. And so this is just something that's brand new that we've been looking into. Um, and we have a couple machines that in motion. And so we're, we're learning as we go and trying to figure out the best, uh, best ways on how to implement that. Got it. Um, well, as you find out, come on back. Come on back <laughs> and talk to us and let us know um, how things are going and if there's any other things that we can do to help or, you know, just yeah. just whatever. We're in the we're we're connected now, so um, we'll see see what happens, I guess. Yeah. Let's do that. Is there anything else that we haven't touched on that you'd like to if somebody's out there maybe they're feeling insecure? or overwhelmed, or defeated, do you have any words of wisdom? Um, yeah, don't be defeated. I know it's, uh, it's tough. Um, just know what you do is, is important. Uh, know that God loves you. That, that's the most important thing to me, is that you're worth it, you're, um, you're smart, you're intelligent, you're beautiful. Uh, just go for it. That sounds like good advice. I'm yeah. glad I asked. Self-talk, so <laughs> important. Yeah. But, all right, Glenn, thank you for coming to my podcast. 
No, Every, thank you very much. Yeah. I appreciate it. And, and everybody out there in podcast land, thank you so much for tuning in. It's been a little bit since we've had a podcast, but for you, it's probably not because you just have to hit next, right? Because it goes <laughs> from 35. I think this is number 36. So, so we're moving. But anyway, thank you so much for listening. And until we meet again, sayonara. Ha, ha, ha.